Holy Puck, your number one source of hockey news, views, and abuse. It seems to be part of the course for the fucking Habs these days. I, I will definitely take all your advice on spark plugs. You're a piece of shit. Uh, it's good, wholesome fun. Vibes all around. Good vibes all around. Holy Puck. Old fans longing for a return to the glory days. So aggressive. And then there's young fans so who don't aggressive. know what a glory day is. Shame! Braden's Budby. It was such a one-sided fight. It was brutal. That's top-notch comedy. If you don't appreciate that, you can fuck off. So here we are, Cam. Our first At My House, Not At My House podcast. This is episode 19. This is our playoff reaction episode. Uh, I'm John. This is Cam. Cam, where are you? I'm, I'm at my house for once as opposed to the, um, you know, your the dungeon. Room. Yeah. So it's totally crazy. So it's been a pretty, pretty crazy who, week. Who would have thought that in 2016 we could embrace technology and we don't have to be in the same physical location to we do could, a podcast all the time? Yeah, we could do this over the internet, the World Wide Web. And it's pretty not, good. It's not, not that I don't enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Like, this this isn't going to be an every week thing because mm-hmm. we still enjoy, you know, we enjoy the hanging out. We enjoy the vibe. We enjoy the proximity. There's a little bit of... A little bit of touching, but well, you know, you know just not my knee because then you know it'll get serious. Then, bro, the odd episode <laughs> from the comfort of my own home is quite good. Well, it means you don't have to do that horrible commute to my place, so you know, the commu- many the commute positives to your were place found. Isn't that bad? <laughs> yeah, not it's really not. Though. It's not that bad. Anyway, so. This week, we've got a slightly different uh, format, so to speak. Uh, it's a little bit different, so mainly because there's not heaps to talk about other than playoff hockey. Um, so not less, oh, would, not, would you like to run through the schedule, John? Yeah, so we're just going to pretty much go through um, who's been eliminated so far um, from each, each conference, and then um, we're really just going to talk about where we blew it um, in terms of our brackets, um, and then we're really just going to get into... Um, where we see the next round of matchups going, um, and when and which track we see being the 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 player the, the the Stanley Cup track, so to speak, um, because there's obviously quite a lot of dudes who are who've picked similar teams um, who are doing very well in their bracket challenge, and it's there's 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 really only a few dudes who are picked, you know, and it appears to have picked right at the moment. At the moment well, so. I'm actually going to correct you there because the NHL has released today that there isn't a single active bracket left. Because for a bracket to be active... Oh, it has to be absolutely 100% correct. Correct. Not just in the teams that are available, but the number of games. So every right. single bracket entry has been knocked out already. Wow. So, so now it's just going on points. Yeah. So if you've got a friend who's like, oh, my bracket, like you can actually shut up because yeah, the NHL has, has and... trolled through all its data and yeah. so we all fucked it. So really it's Everyone just... Everyone shut up. Yeah. So everyone sucks at, at, at uh, predicting playoff hockey. The, the, the thing is, though, it's only going to get better because obviously someone wins March Madness every year. So it's going to happen, right? It's going to it's well, going to occur. Well, does does everybody suck at predicting playoff hockey, or does this just speak to how fantastic playoff hockey is that a team can you know they they can just sneak in in the very bottom slot? It's the magic um, of playoff hockey, Cam. And this, we were talking about this in the in our uh, fantasy forum today, and it, yeah. everyone was like. Get around it. It's one of the only sports where the really, really, very clearly outside Ruffy has a chance. Every dog has his day, and that's the best well, thing about NHL players. The Kansas City Royals are a small market team, and they're the reigning World Series champs. Which is a great story, Cam. It, dude, it's a, and you know how I feel about great stories. Oh. I, think the, 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 I think the one glaring exception is the NBA, where like the power brokers are very yeah, obvious. The dynasty and it has teams are just very, that. 
Yeah. And like, I used to love a dynasty as a kid, and now I'm like, ah, oh, give me some yeah, parrot. Give me a bit of character, a bit of rough. You know. Mm. You know. You know. Anyway, let's kick it off. Let's start with the eliminated teams from the Western Conference. Yeah, so I thought we could we could like attack it from a, you know, what went wrong and where we see the the greater implications in terms of next season and potentially even next season's playoff run. Well, John, um, I think let it's me a great start by saying it. I think that's a fantastic idea. Mad, would you like to yeah. tell me about the wild cam? You know what? I would like to tell you about the wild. Excellent. What I'll tell, what I'll tell you about the wild, it's it's quite simple. We all knew that they would get their balls done by Dallas in the first round. We all knew it, right? But they but put up a fight, and that's what matters. <laughs> they, they put up a fight. It was like they're, they're kind of like Joe Pesci. They're they're a bit short and a bit just odd looking. Joe Pesci, and, Home Alone, or Joe Pesci, like Goodfellas? Yeah, good. No, I was going to say Casino Pesci. Wow. Yeah, because I picked. I, I see when you said that immediately, I went to Goodfellas. So, well, just, then, you know, you don't expect him to be all that. And then he turned around and he really surprised you when he stabbed you in the throat with a pen. Yeah, you're like, holy shit, this dude, this dude, and in, you know, by way of this metaphor, this hockey team can actually mm. play hockey and push us to, you know, six games. Very impressive. Well, it, it told me a few things because when the Wild lured Parise and Suda back to Minnesota on those massive, massive contracts, it wasn't just the big money. It was also that... You know, you're moving home and we've got a fleet of really good young prospects coming up. Yeah. It's those really good young kids who are really performing and carrying the team. You know, Coyle, Hula, Dunbar, Spurs. All those kids have been hauling us. Where the Wild are getting let down, it's actually the old blokes, as we know. It's Vanek, it's Pommenville. And so the dudes who should have been killing it, who are on those big contracts already, who well, I, I think I, I, I think Parise... Um, is probably the big one there, whereas they they lured him back and they paid him a shitload of money. I think Sutter is actually probably worth the money, to be honest. Sutter, yeah, Sutter's worth the money because he carries that blue line, obviously. Parise, um, he, look, anytime anybody who is over the age of 25 starts to have recurring back injuries and they've got a lot of money attached to them, I start freaking out. Uh, well, yeah. Well, anyone who has a significant amount of... In- who has had injury... I, let's just say history in the past, when they get a big deal, then you know what's going to happen eventually, right? You know what's going to come to a head. There's not, not much you can do about they it. They do like a back injury. Like, you know, you can have a recurring injury in your arm or your leg or this or that. But your, your back, that's your, that's your control center. Like, if your back is fucked and you're a pro athlete, like, there's not a lot of, there's not much you can do about it. No, well, other than re injure it, right? <laughs> well, well done. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, for me, where this says the Wild are going, I think very obviously they're going to opt to use a buyout on Vanek next year. Um, I've spoken at great lengths about how much that dude really shits me off, so I'm not even a little bit salty about it. I think for him, it forces him into that, you know, kind of that, that position where maybe someone will offer him a one-year, $1 million deal to prove his worth again. I don't know if he has the character to actually take the deal and do a good job. Um you know, maybe this this results in him just riding off into the sunset with his millions of dollars, but, you know, being a bit of a hack. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you make a very good point there. And I think, you know, Pommenville, obviously, um, he's obviously got an extra two seasons on his contract. 
And mm. you know, he's obviously got that fat, fat signing bonus because of his he's um, first season. A more, he has, but he's very flaky, and you know, he was a bit of a ghost during the playoff series. So that tells you that again, we are right in saying, well, you know, maybe he's not worth the cash, and he's worth like you know, six million dollars. That's a lot of money, dude. Mm, totally. The other one for them too is obviously Miko Koivu clears $6 million plus a year. Yeah, but that he, dude's so, worth every cent though. Well, he actually had a better year this year than a lot of us thought he would. However, a diamond age, in the rough, if you would, Cam. I just think age is really going to start to catch up with him very How old is he now? Is he, he's in his 30s, isn't he? Is yeah, he 31 this season? Yeah, I'm not confident he can replicate what he did this season, next season, or beyond. Uh, look, I think we'll see next season. Yeah, you're right. Next season will be the great decline of, of the great white shark. <laughs> so look for the Minnesota Wild. Um, I think, look, they've got some pretty good people there in that organization. They're not going to stick with the caretaker coach they've had. They're already interviewing long-term coaching prospects. Yeah. I think they're going to shore that up pretty well. They've obviously got the fan base and they do have a good nucleus. If they've got the balls, they obviously buy out Vanek and they spend his money wisely. Yeah. And potentially they do something with someone else. Like, like I don't doubt that they will make the playoffs again, but they need to do a couple of significant things to be more than a round one or two team. Yeah, look, I think we nailed it last week when we said that we don't see these guys going too deep like every few years like they'll be around they'll be in the conversation but they're not looking dangerous like and the worst thing is they've always got to front up against your blues against your hawks it's a tough division it's a tough div like I mean even just looking at the crowd that got bounced in the last few days you've got Minnesota Chicago you've got Los Angeles and you've also got Anaheim who are all tough teams to play who it's just really tough. Like, it's it's a Ooh. tough div for them. It's just being in that conference. And, you know, if they're in the East, they would kill it. You know what I mean? But Well, that's, that's what I was going to say because it's not entirely fair because a, a Minnesota Wild getting bounced in round one and people saying, ha-ha, it's a round one exit. The way they played against Dallas, they could topple, like you said, most of the teams in the Eastern Conference. Easy. And that's the thing. Like, it's tough. It's tough. Easily. Hey, let's move on to the Chicago Whackhawks. Uh, yes. Well, the Whackhawks have finally been whacked, and it's great. Um, Fantastic. Oh, it's such a good time. I mean, you know, we've seen so many freebies from the ref. The NHL essentially throwing them a bone um, with the Duncan Key fiasco. Um, Andrew Shaw putting his foot in it. You know, there's been so much drama around this. Um, Crow essentially stealing a couple of games to give them, obviously, the game four, uh, the game seven. Yeah. Um, which obviously, you know, you've obviously turned the corner on him. Like earlier this year, you were like, you know, it's all you. You swung around like you used to be all crow hate, and now it's all crow love, which is so weird for you. Well, it is because the thing, the thing with him this year is he's never played behind a more depleted lineup than he has this year. That's and right, he, and he still looks mad. And he really turned it on. So, and you know what? Like he's probably been that good the whole time, but it's been masked by by the defense that he was playing behind this year. Um, you know, the Blackhawks had some pretty green dudes playing a lot of heavy minutes, um, obviously, after the guys that they lost last year. Their two biggest losses were obviously um, Johnny Oduya and Patrick Sharp. Yeah, um, so it makes what, it very hard. Yeah. What this playoff series told us is that, you know, the Hawks are obviously a very successful team, especially in the cap era, you know, three um, three cups in the last six six odd year periods and incredible haul. Well, it, um, it shows that their strategy of getting to the deadline, importing the best possible talent they can, works. 
Well, what it's told me is it works to an extent, but I think there's still definitely an expiry date on that as well. And and this has been the one. I think they they wildly underestimated how much they were going to miss Johnny Aduya and Patrick Sharp. Yeah, Patrick um, Sharp obviously I think is the bigger of the two there because he gave them that extra offense that they just didn't see this year. Well, and they're bringing in Lad. They they thought Lad and um. Uh, and Dale Weiss would be, they would do fulfill the, the Paddy, you know, the Paddy Sharp role. It just didn't work out for him, man. You know, good on yeah, them for trying. And, it just didn't work and, out. And I agree with that, but I also think they lost a lot of punch coming out of their own end, which I think Uduya was very under the radar good at doing. Like, he's not a big guy. He's not like a, he's not a heavy player. He doesn't hit a lot, but he's very, he's very smooth. And I think he's one of those guys who he's not particularly flashy. You're not going to see him on a highlight reel. Yeah. But you can count on the you can count on one hand the number of times that he fucks up. So it's not very often. So what are the implications then for the Hawks moving into next season and potentially next season's playoff race? Um, for me, I see it much the same. I feel like they'll bounce back just fine. Um, they're obviously going to lose Patrick Sharp that we lulled, I'm uh, sorry, um, Andrew Shaw that we lulled about really hard last week. But let's be honest, um, Panarin has just been, you know, insane. Would they, they obviously, you can't predict that. You can't predict a rookie coming in and killing it to the point that you have to give him a two and a half million dollar performance bonus and essentially yeah. drop one of your grit guys because you can't keep him. That's just how it is. You know, it's not, it's not anything. Um. From where I'm sitting, I don't think Andrew Ladd will come back. I wouldn't be surprised to see Winnipeg have another crack out in like an Antoine Vermette situation. Yeah, um, or anyone else. There's a lot of suitors out there, you know. Like, I mean, Florida yeah. have obviously they've they picked up a lot of dudes on short term, so they'll obviously be looking around um, since they since they dropped off as well. So the more interesting wrinkle for me, and we've talked about this before, is that we've said Chicago is a really easy free agent destination because they can say we can we can guarantee you entry entry to the big show um we can't guarantee you a win but we're going to get you close yeah um, we've always said that it's a big market it's like the nba everyone wants to go and play for the bulls or the lakers once they hit their cat like once they hit the end of their contract because big market you know it's you're going to get big tv minutes and big money so it makes sense right well no i was actually going to disagree with that and say i don't think that's the case anymore i think they've shown that they're mortal this year i don't think they're just going to be able to simply say hey come to chicago and have the same effect on free agents as they have in the past. Oh, really? No, I, I kind of see it's still lagging um, on. But I think only time will tell, Cam. I think it's getting going to get to the point where, you know... Well, there's other teams that are more attractive, though. You've got two teams in New York, right? One so of them killing probably, it, and one of them with no money who's blown their chances for the next three years. Yeah, but you've got... If people are looking for location, you know, there's more appealing places than Chicago. If people are looking for success... I think Pittsburgh have shown that under their new regime, they're probably going to be achieving some of that success again. Yeah, if not this year, then definitely next. You know, the Californian teams are all looking good. Washington's an attractive free agent destination. That's right. Um, And, you know, then you've got teams that have a bunch of cash. Nashville have a bunch of money. What about the Devils? You know, they've got heaps. All-Star Series this year, they've shown that they are, in fact, now a hockey town. So I think a lot of non-traditional markets are going to become quite appealing and some of the sheen of just being Chicago might not be there moving forward. Yeah. So if we were to, you know, pull apart the ducks and how their series is gone, I feel like that they were just unlucky. And I feel like they played their asses off and that 
like I've written here, two words, Frederick Anderson. He fucking was on lock, man. And yeah, but, but you know what, though? They're always unlucky. That's right. So how do they get past it? So, I mean, we'll get into the, my, my thoughts. Um, like, I, I hit it last week in terms of where we think the coaching situation is going to go. But I have to say, though, that that, that Perron-Haglin trade somehow happened in the clouds. Like, someone just knew... They're like, both GMs are like, actually, that's a fucking good idea. And both of the dudes have just fucking killed it. You know, sending Haglin over and Perron has just been perfect. Like, it's just worked out yeah. so well. I'm not as optimistic about Anaheim as you are because I'll read you that stat that I picked up earlier. Anaheim has blown a 3-2 series lead and lost game seven at home each of the last four postseasons. They don't know how to win. No, and which they leads me to, to you're right, and that leads me to our greater implications, which is, Boudreau. I see Boudreau being fired this year, and I see this being his last year as a coach, and that's that. That will be terribly sad because I think he's an excellent coach, but he's proven time and time again he does not have the ability to take his team further than round one. So look, Boudreau will be gone. I think this is definitely look. They've they've achieved a lot this year, and they've done it with a lot of up and coming young players. Their young defense is fantastic. They had a lot of ups and downs this year, though, as well. Like, you yeah. know, it just it just didn't work out for them. You know, they had they they you know you could see you could almost see Bruce Boudreau kind of losing his mind. Like, oh, do I put Perry and Getzlaff back together? What do I do? Like, oh, we're not winning, so should I put them back together again? He does it. They lose still. He splits them back up again. You know, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they get Perron and then it changes the luck a little bit. The stars sort of align a little bit more, you know. I said this to you back in December. One of Perry or Getzlaff needs to waive a no-trade clause and they need to move on. Um, yeah, and, well, I think it'll probably be Getz more than Perry, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think it'll be Getz too because, look, you know, it always comes back to leadership. They don't know how to win and close out that series. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah, look, and the Cats are like, the same, man. You know, there's there's lots of teams that are like that, like the Blues, same deal. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they keep playing through without that experience. Well, the Blues broke their hoodoo this year, so, you know, fingers crossed. That's what crossed I mean. Them. Fingers crossed, about, but they just don't have that experience. What about Yeah. What about them? Well, see, the thing about the Kings, and I have not been one to hate on the Kings for a really long time. I really like what they do out there. I really like Kopitar. I don't like Brownie, but I'm a, you know, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing in LA. But I think the big thing for me is being Jonathan Quick. In what way? For I think there's a few things that, are, that have bugged me this season about him that he at times just looks lazy, man. Like he just he just doesn't look like he doesn't look like he did when they won in 2011. And he does he what he does look like is someone who and he is a spectacular goalie when he's on, but when he's off, he's fucking terrible. And I was reading some stats about it today, and then I started to have this thought like, so he's not that good because if you see what the Sharks did, they just chased him out of his net. They essentially just they lured him out because they knew he's an aggressive goalie that likes to move up, who likes to create space between, like to reduce the space between the shooter and the goalie crease. And he just essentially uses his athleticism, which is spectacular, by the way. But still, he just uses that to get in the way of pucks. And it doesn't really do anything because all those little one percenters that you see all the other goalies having to work out forever, he kind of just pause because he's like, mm. oh, I'm heaps more athletic than everyone, so fuck you. 
I don't think it works. And that's, I think, the biggest downfall because he could be the best goalie ever, but he's refusing to do those little things that all the other goalies have to do to keep their place. I'm enjoying this segment because we're disagreeing on a lot of things, which is more interesting than agreeing with each other. So I'm going to disagree with you because his unorthodox style has won them two cups. So I don't think it's fair to say, oh, he needs to focus on those one percenters because if he was a more conservative, traditional goalie, who knows what would have happened in 2012 and 2014. If he'd played it safe, maybe that approach backfired in those, you know, two series. Um, when the Bruins won the Cup in 2011, Tim Thomas was in net. He's like the mm. most unorthodox goalie, mm. you know, in an era of tall, limber, agile, athletic goaltenders. He's a short, chubby, weird dude with a flawed technique who somehow finds a way to flip around in his crease like a little worm. Yeah, well, I, I think I think we're both kind of partly right, but I mean, the big thing for me oh, is there's, there's, there's no right or wrong here. I'm nah. not wrong. It just it just is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know. I think the Sharks just figured him out. Like, they knew he was aggressive. Like, you can almost just watch the replays and see how they won. Like, it's... it's, mm. it's and, and I think that that will... it could We could see the, the, the potential downfall of Jonathan Quick, you know? Um, and then that that asked, that leads us to the next question for the Kings. Did the Luchik... Did, 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 did Luch going there, did the experiment work, Cam? Yeah, I think it definitely did. And he's not their problem. The, the King's biggest problem, bigger than Quick and bigger than Luch, it's Marion Gaverick and it's Dustin Brown. There's $10 million a mm -hmm. year tied up in those two dudes. And the money, you know, they've told you it's justified because of, you know, leadership. That's right. Um, and, and I don't think so. I think there's only so much you can put into leadership and what they call, quote unquote, locker room guys. Like, I, 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 it doesn't work for me, dude. It's not like ten million dollars for that. You got to get your money's worth, dude. And the money is the money's on the board. Yeah. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with those dudes. You're going to find it hard to get anybody to take um, Tate Brown off your hands. Oh my god. They are lucky. Trying to get someone to take Brownie, it would be fucking fuck. Well, if it was in 12 months, I think it would be easy, and he will be the captain of the Las Vegas franchise, no problem. Yeah. Um, but right now it's a little more challenging, which means they may be forced to suck eggs for another 12 months. Or buy Gabaric, them out and move on. Gabarik, again, very hard to move as well. It costs a lot of money, and teams know that he doesn't really perform consistently. No, so um, they're obviously just going to ignore him and move the fuck on. Yeah, so look, you know, maybe, yeah, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what the answer is with those dudes. Um, the Kings do have a really good farm system, though. Like the Ontario Reign, which is their AHL team, are incredible. Um, That's right. They're, they're fantastic. So they've got a lot of good young kids coming up as well. So yeah. I guess we'll see. So in terms of implications for me, I think this is a more of a non-event. I think they'll be back next year. It's just really how how they get through the the the, the real meat section of the season um, well, will define them. Let me throw a let me throw a little spanner in the works and just just for argument's sake for an interesting chat. I don't know because when you stop and you think about it, so the Kings didn't make the playoffs in 2015 and they had a round one eviction in 2016. Are we just assuming that the Kings are still the Kings because they've won two cups in the last five years, or do we actually need to take a step back, take off the fucking Hollywood beer goggles and go? Maybe you not. Know what? Yeah. Maybe. You maybe know what? There is a, maybe there is a more deep-seated problem that we've been overlooking because it's the LA Kings. Yeah, you know what? That's a fucking good idea, dude. I actually back it. Well mm. done. Kudos. So, with the West wrapped up, let's talk a little bit about the East. Let's let's do that. 
And I, I think this is where I actually, I, I got into it on the train, obviously, as you can see by my notes um, going into, like, so we'll kick off with the Flyers. And um, I mean... I love it. I love the Flyers. I had a great time watching them for the first three games, um, to be perfectly honest, because, I mean, they they got beat up and they, while they didn't last the stretch, they gave it a crack. Um, but I think what we did see, though, was a perfect... A perfect, so to speak, uh, passing of the torch from Stevie Mason, who was obviously their starter all year, to if Neuverth stays, he will be their starter next year, hands down. Um, if Neuverth if started that whole series, Washington wouldn't be going around her. I don't think so either. Well, it took them two games to figure him out. Yeah, um, and he barely figured him out. It was still only a one-goal win. Yeah, well, it was a shutout win, but still, yeah, you're right. Um I think, yeah, it, it, at very least it would have gone to seven and that seventh would have been very stressful for everyone involved, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. So, I, like I said, I think I think he's going to be this... If he stays in Philly, because he's obviously got a big target on his back now... He um, will. He'll, he'll, he'll stay. It's a good environment. And the thing I like about Philly um, is that, you know, they made a significant charge this year with their retooled lineup. What people are, are, are not quite remembering is in the last couple of years' worth of drafts, um, they've got two of the most shit-hot young defensemen who are going to be NHL-ready next year. They're essentially going to have three um, Gostabiers. Yeah, which is incredible, right? So having such a good farm system and actually holding on to your picks, lol, not like the Rangers, essentially yeah. means that they can build themselves up. So, you know, for me... Regardless of the fans' antics this year, um, and some of the, uh, you know, the like I guess bit players of White and Shen who were very obviously sent out there to beat dudes, um, you know, with Shen obviously being suspended for the first three games in October, I think they'll be there next year, and I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, the other one will be for them too. They will 100% buy out RJ Umberger, and they can put that money to good use elsewhere. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. If, I mean, there, there's your pay rise for Neuvirth if you really want to stitch him up. Well, I mean, they kind of, they got to keep him, right? After that, the, the showing that he did and the way he essentially shut down the caps for two two whole games, um, it was just incredible. So there's no way, and like him taking on 44, 44 of the caps' best shots and mm. shutting them all away, it's just incredible. Like, that's unheard of this season. Yeah, no one's taken that many shots since, you know, that, I don't know, like the most the most out, outlandish cliche frat party you saw on a fucking midday. Oh, you know, dude, it was yeah. fucking, it felt like it was 780 to two shots. And yeah, it was it's just, crazy. it was fucking stupid. I watched the last period of that game and the seriously, it was played in about 70% inside the Philly zone. And it was just the Caps just shooting all day, and he was just every time, just every time. Hey, I'm, I'm going to take the lead on the next one because I love putting the boot into the Rangers. Sick, sick. Um, They're now, fucked, though. I said this earlier in the week, and I stand by it. The New York Rangers are essentially a midlife crisis. They're, they're a 50-year-old man who's got thinning, graying hair who continues to dye their hair and wear skinny jeans and drive around in a convertible because they can't come to grips with the fact that their best, um, not not their best, but their best shot in their current form has been and gone. Oh, um, they've lost it. That they, That's right. And that they need to accept that it's time to move on to the next stage of their life. 
That's um, right. You, you... I like, like that tragic 50-year-old that can't accept it's okay, man. Get the looser jeans, let your hair go gray, and go out for dinner instead of going to a bar. Yeah, uh, it's totally cool, man. You're in your 50s. We all get it. The, the Rangers have, but, you know, by way of trading, by how, you know, the, the way that they've done things in the last few years, they've got very few picks, they've got no cap space, and they've lost a lot of their top-notch prospects. Um, you know, the Yotes cleaned them out for Yandel. They, they lost to Claire. Um, they are in all sorts. There's, you know, a lot of stats kicking around at the moment, essentially proving that they've wasted Lundqvist Prime. Yeah, there's um, been so many articles lately. But you know, I mean, yeah, I think nah, you're it's been dog shit again. Yeah, um, there's it, so much. That it's just so much has gone wrong for them this year, and I think it's it's all a product of their own undoing, though. Like, you know, you can't just lean on your goalie. You've got to give them a good supporting cast, and their defense was patchy at best. Their offense was just as bad. The problem that they're going to have is they they need to sign some of their key assets this year, and they're not going to be able to do it. So other teams are just going to be able to swoop in. You know? I will fix. I will fix New York. I will fix the Rangers for their GM right now, and here's how they need to do it. You do not re-sign Eric Stoll. You let his brother Mark Stoll go. You buy out Dan Girardi. You let Keith Yandel walk as a restricted free agent. You let him cop like a matching offer from someone else, and you move on Henrik Lundqvist, even if that means you eat six million dollars of his salary and you let him go elsewhere and have a shot at a cup. You let him go. You hand the reins over to Anti Ranta. You get another younger goalie to back him up, and you go young and you build. Yeah, because... they're they're in a three to four year climb. Yeah, that's if where it's at. They don't do that now. They're not going to though because they're New York and they're proud. Um, yeah. For me, I think it starts with the coach. I think Vigneault needs to go. Um, I don't think that. I think his style totally worked when he was playing for the Nut when when the Nucks were under him. But well, now it didn't, it didn't totally work because they did lose the 2011 Cup to my boys. True, but he got them there. Um, but my my point is, I I don't see that that long because you see it all the time. Like you're just watching them play. You see that that long. Um, you know, I guess you can call it home run pass from the defender moving through to the, the streaking, flying down the wing, um, winger to then obviously get a breakout and score. That doesn't work. And the pen smells it from a mile away and they just ate up, they ate it up, forced the game into the neutral zone and fucked it. And they obviously done their research. So immobile as well, dude. Well, like. you, you look at Girardi, if you look, he like, he can't, he's a grinder. He's playing in the corners. He can't do that. Out and he wants to carry the puck. Like he's not a dude who's like, "Hey man, I'm just gonna swing it out and then hope that like maybe a Chris Kreider catches it in the neutral zone and then walks it in." That's not how it's gonna work for him, man. Yeah, they need to clean house and build around Stepan and Kreider. That's it. Um, there's talk that Kreider might go, but I think um they're gonna be really really hard pressed to keep Kevin Hayes. I think he's gonna be moving on. Um, TJ Miller, they have to re-sign. Um, otherwise they're cooked, but he's also going to get a performance what bonus. Oscar Lindbergh? Yep, there's so many dudes there that they, they have to sign, but there's a couple of dudes are going to be falling short, and it's it's going to be tough for them. Well, speaking of other traditional powerhouses, the Red Wings. Um, oh. We won't waste any time speculating on the Datsuk thing because he still hasn't confirmed if he's 100% going, but... Again, they're another team that needs to accept that a proper rebuild is needed, not this constant patch, 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 patch thing that they're doing. They've got the young nucleus, but they definitely need to reinvest in defense. Cronwall's still their number one defender. Like Who's like a thousand years old. 
yeah, that can't they can't move into the 2016-17 season with Nicholas Cromwell as their number one defender. That that just will not work. Um, they need to work out what the fuck they're doing with Jimmy Howard. Like, move him on. He's costing you heaps. Mirazic's yeah, Mirazic, he's, he's swooped in. Guy. He's taken it. Like, the, the torch has been passed. Move on. Like, why do they even start Howard in the first couple of games? Like, get over it. Like, it's it's done. Like, all the dudes in who are in um, Detroit who just keep on swinging off the nuts, it's time to give it up. Like well, they, they always talk about how fantastic their kids are coming through from Grand Rapids, and they are. So just trust in those Yeah, kids. bring them up. Let them play. Let Larkin, let Tatar, let Mantha, let, um, however you pronounce his surname, Andreas Anansiusu. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> let them run wild with it. You know, um, fuck, dude, I don't know. Do you look at trading Henrik Zetterberg? I don't know. The, I mean, something's going to change. And I think this year is so interesting. The the, the playoff drops, the, you know, watching the, the first, you know, eight, eight teams that have dropped out because there's, there's so many of them that, you know, I don't think we're going to see them in the playoffs for a while. Like, I think the Wings will probably... They, I don't think we'll see them next year. And the implications for the Rangers is they need to do a complete rebuild. Um, it's, so, it's so funny. Like, and then if you move on to the Panthers, like, holy shit. Like, n- next year, I have a feeling we're going to be in the same position where we're going to, we're going to see them drop out again um, in the first round. But, fuck, it's going to be good to watch. Do you not think the Panthers are trending in the right direction for more sustained success? I think I think they are, but I think we're going to see a very similar performance to this year. I disagree because the thing with the Panthers is, again, they've been quite a cost-efficient team. Um, they've already declared today that ownership has told the general manager, wow, you've really shown us something. We gave you the reins this year. You made a few savvy moves and you came out and you pushed the aisles we're going to let you spend the rest of the, the, the salary cap because there's something like $15 million under the cap. Oh, they've like got heaps. Stuff. They've got heaps. So, but, I mean, yeah. I th- even with that, I, I don't know. I don't think the mark's there for them. But, I mean, I think I'm happy to be wrong, dude. I, I, I totally stoked to be wrong. They, they've got money to attract free agents. They've got a growing fan base. They've got, like, a rebrand with, like, the uniforms. They've now got a little bit of performance history behind them. And the other thing that they've got that people want is they live in a state that doesn't have state taxes. Well, yeah. So if you know an aging, aging hockey star and you need somewhere to live and you also like to wear thongs, then obviously Florida is a great choice for you. I agree. Mad. Why can't they have a run at Stevie Stamkos? Why can't they? Exactly. He could literally move up the street. Yeah. We could just stay where he is, man. Why wouldn't anyway? Anyway, so I think, I mean, the I mean the rap here has been pretty good. Like I feel like we're the eliminated teams has really shown us shown us something, and I think we've we've learned a little something about ourselves this this playoffs this playoff run. So where do we go wrong with our brackets, Cam? Because let let's be honest, we didn't nail it. Well, let's be honest, nobody nailed it. But no. you know, we're the ones who are willing to to stand up here on a public forum and own it. So I'll go first. Um. I'm going to say what what I got right with my round one playoff predictions. St. Louis got the job done over Chicago. A lot of people still back Chicago and just because of history, I didn't. So uh, fuck you, Chicago. Fuck you, everyone that tipped them. And uh, go me. And thanks, St. Louis. You won me a lunch. Um, <laughs> definitely. I definitely had the Pens knocking off the Rangers and they made the Rangers look like a bunch of useless pensioners, which was fantastic. Um, and obviously I had Dallas toppling the Wild, although I didn't expect it to be as tough. 
More importantly, though, where I went wrong, uh, I backed the Flyers in, but I will say I backed them in for two reasons. I backed them in for the, the romance of the storyline and to put a hex on John's boys, the Capitals. Uh, which you've done so elegantly because we now have to play the fucking, fucking pens. Yeah, so I've still contributed to your downfall in some way, which is cool. Um, oh, it's super upsetting, bro. Obviously, I got Detroit wrong. I wanted them to do it for Datsuk, and they didn't. Uh, I thought the Panthers' red-hot regular season would translate into the playoffs. It did not. Um, I'm surprised that Jonathan Quick was outplayed by his protege, Martin Jones. That actually cost me a lunch, which I made good on yesterday. <laughs> um, and finally, I'm actually quite shocked that the Ducks' number one power play and penalty kill went missing in action, and they fell to the Preds. Even though we know that the Ducks are Game 7 chokers, I thought the choke would come in the Western Conference Finals, not in the first round. Yeah, and I, that's where I went wrong as well, Cam. So I, I similar to you, went wrong um, in the West. Um, so I, I went wrong um, mainly in the, the the Californian bracket, so to speak. So I had I, I obviously took the Kings over the Sharks, and then I obviously picked Anaheim over over Nashville, which has royally fucked my bracket completely. Um, and then obviously in the, the only thing I got wrong. Um, was Detroit instead of um, in, instead of the Bolts, which you know it's not all bad, but the things I got right was the you know the 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 um, up, the upper east so to speak upper the upper <laughs> east bracket um, and the upper west bracket where I, I got everything right there um, except one one fucking I, I said um, St Louis and Chicago were going to seven uh, going to six, but it was obviously seven. So I'm like I, I thought St Louis would do it in do it in six, but what do you Here's know? A question, and no one's talking about this. Now that San Jose has successfully toppled the Kings, do we take them seriously as an actual cup contender? Uh, I think we do. I well, I you know, let me preface that by saying I don't think that Dallas are a cup contender. Um, I know I, we've been pumping their tires up all year and I just don't think that they've got the staying power. Whereas I think, I don't know, St. Louis are a little more gritty. They've got a little bit more something. Like it makes me, I don't know. I just feel like there's a bit more there. There's a bit more substance. Whereas with, with Dallas, it's a lot. It's just scoring, scoring and scoring. And it, I don't know, for me, it's just not working. Well, look, this segues very well into our final segment for this evening. So our picks right here, right now. So as in we're talking about who's going to be successful in round two and which is obviously going to determine who's going into the conference finals. So I'll lead off. I've got St. Louis taking the Stars in seven. I've got San Jose taking the Preds in six, the Penguins over the Caps in seven, and the Isles over the Bolts in six. So what that would give us would be a St. Louis v. San Jose Western Conference Final and a Pittsburgh v. Islanders Eastern Conference Final. Might I say, if San Jose are forced to play St. Louis in a conference final, I think they can beat them. And if their competition in, from the East is Pittsburgh, I actually think they could beat them. Wow. So the only thing we differ on is obviously, you know, the pens and the caps. So I have to... There's no way I'm not allowed to pick the caps. Um in that spot, unfortunately. So I, I agree. I think um, to me, I think San Jose are, they are looking the goods at the minute. And the, so it, it will be whoever wins out of the caps and Pittsburgh. For me, that will be, that will be the cup bracket, so to speak. And they'll go 
all the way through, um, regardless of who comes through in the West. Um, and to me, it's look. I unfortunately, yes, I've picked the Caps, but to me, I think the Pens are just. I think they're too strong, man. I think I think I think there's they've clicked finally at just the right time, and I think they're just going to see it all the way through, and they're going to fuck the Caps over, and then our our we will be finding ourselves in two years exactly in exactly the same position as. Uh-huh as uh, unfortunately like our East Coast friends, the fucking Rangers. So it's all going to come crashing down spectacularly, Cam. you're being really hard on yourself because like I chose Pittsburgh because I do think they're looking red hot, but I did say it was in seven. It could truly swing either way. Um, I know it, the series is being billed as Sid versus OV and I kind of think it is because all the supporting parts for both teams, if you cross them out, like if they cross each other out. Which they all kind of do, don't they? Well, we think about this, right? They've got Malkin, you've got Kuznetsov. Um, they've got Kessel, you've got, you know, who's another big game player you've got on a wing, like a Juzzy, a, a Backstrom, or a Justin Williams. So all those different players cross each other out. So I'm, then you're really only left with OV versus Crosby and who's going to be the real difference maker. Dude, I see I'm, your point, Cam. I'm super keen to see that. But I mean... I think everyone good. wants to see this series kick off, man. Like, it kicks off tomorrow... It's gonna be yep. fucking hectic. Like it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard fought. And like I just hope that the Caps are smart enough to actually figure out what's happening in front of them and respond quicker than they did in the fucking um, Philly series, where it took them two games to figure out a change of goalie. Like, let's hope that they're able to deal with it and sit through the review packages and actually respond because they were unable to quickly. Well, look, I'm looking forward to this because I don't have a horse in the race. I just get to sit back and watch a bunch of really, really good series. Like St. Louis versus Dallas could go either way. It's a, it's a high-octane offense versus a truly grinding all-star defense. San Jose versus Nashville. They're very different but very similar teams. Mm, um, that's right. And, and then, obviously, and- obviously, when you get to, to Brooklyn and Tampa Bay, I think that's going to be a super exciting series. And it comes down to... The two players who we've been talking about all year, Thomas Grice and your boy Tavares. Well, here's the thing for me, right, with the Isles, is that the fact that they made it through the first round and then the first game against the Bolts today was, even though the score sheet doesn't necessarily reflect it because it was 5-3, it was a drubbing. Yeah, that's right. And there's been so many articles are like, do Brooklyn have it? Do, Do the Isles, do they have the ability to get through this round because this is the first time they've been in the playoffs since 93. We'll get around this, get around this one, right? If the Isles can knock off the bolts and progress to the Eastern conference finals, let's say they meet Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh don't have a very good time when they play the Islanders. No. They've had full line brawls before. They're very testy. The Isles know how to get in their heads. That Isles bottom six, especially that fourth line with like Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck. Oh, they they're nasty. Bang, bang, bang all day. I don't know if the Pens are up for it. I don't think they can deal with it. See, and that's that's the difference. So, like, so the Pens are incredibly good at poking the bear that is the Capitals. So like, they're incredibly good at getting under our skin and making us uncomfortable and saying the right things at the right timing, making us take dumb penalties. Where on the flip, the Isles are just incredible at fucking the penguins over and making them differ from their actual game plan so that's my real x factor this one like i'm going to put it out there right now if washington get over pittsburgh then i think washington could comfortably take the aisles and move on to the cup finals yeah well they, they nailed pittsburgh it all year so. washington though and the aisles get through i'd be really really upset if i was the pittsburgh penguins and i would love to see john Tavares go all the way fuck how good would it be 
That is, yeah. of course, if the Cavs don't make it, which they probably won't. But still, you make a good point, Cam. Thanks, so, Cam. Thanks, man. Exactly. So it's been great. So this is our playoff prediction episode. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kick off these a little more. We're gonna try and do short snippet, twenty minute reaction Let's episodes. Yeah. Um. So we'll obviously when we will try for one, maybe maybe Monday afternoon. Um. Ooh. Just to, yeah, well, now we can do this, Cam. It's very easy. I've already got the setup here. I'm just going to leave it as is. Ooh. So that's great. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, right. So and, um, get get at us, though. Like, if you think our predictions are incredibly stupid, feel free to touch base and tell us why. My response will probably be to point out a number of flaws, both personal and professional. Um, but still, by all means, hit us up and let us know. Yeah, well, we're really good at pointing out how rubbish people's haircuts are, hey? Yeah, but... um. Also, don't forget, we are constantly pumping out content on hollypuckpodcast.com. And people are actually reading. It's super weird. Very I, for weird. one, I, I for quite, one, am surprised that... I put quite the piece up today about the uh, the high price of overpaying your goalies, and it seems to be very popular. So I'll keep doing it if you keep reading them. Well, good on you, Cam. I should really I should really put some, some content up, eh? You should, but you're doing the tech side, so that's cool. Also... As of next week, it looks like we're going to have some new artwork and a new presenter for the show, which is exciting. Yay! Yeah. So we'll wait to announce that next week when it's all when it all comes through. Um, yep. So we're not the the website's looking mad crisp. Um, so make sure you get across it. Like lots of dudes are hitting us up. So good on you guys. Um, you, you know, lots hit us up with comments. Hit us up with some you know some chatos. Obviously, the Instagram feed is going off. Um, yes. So here we are. I'm John. This is Cam. This is episode 19. See you later. Later.